Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Isaiah. Uh, we're in Isaiah chapter 14. We're gonna look at verses 28 through 32, but you need some context. And for that context, we're gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna skim through 2 Kings 16. Judah's king Ahaz was a failure in that he did not he did not stay true to the Lord. He did like one semi-righteous thing involving a bronze altar, but he actually practiced despicable pagan practices, including having his own son murdered in fire. And he attempted what today is called syncretism, where you try to mix multiple religions together. Yeah, sure, I'm a, I'm a Christian Buddhist. I'm a, I'm a Christian Muslim. I'm a Christian witch. That one's growing in surprising popularity. Ahaz was like the OG syncretist, and the results were catastrophic for him. He did not follow the Lord faithfully as his ancestor David did. All right, that's, that's uh, 2 Kings 16.1. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, his God, like his ancestor David, but walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even sacrificed his son in the fire, imitating the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. He sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. All right, and then uh, he comes under attack. He has a couple of nations that rise up against him, uh, Israel, you remember Israel and Judah were once one nation, they were once Israel, now they're divided. And so the northern kingdom of Israel is aligned now with the nation of Aram, whose king is Rezin. So Ahaz freaks out and he sends gold from the treasury to bribe the king of Assyria. We mentioned him in yesterday's devotion. That's uh, Tiglath-Pileser. He's the Tiglath-Pileser III, I believe. And, uh, he was the king of Assyria. And he said, I'm your servant and your son. March up and save me from the grasp of the king of Aram and the king of Israel who are rising up against me. And so he takes the silver and the gold found in the Lord's temple and the treasuries of the king's palace. And he sent them to the king of Assyria as a bribe. And so the king of Assyria is going to come and help him. King Ahaz went to Damascus, this is 2 Kings 16.10, to meet King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. When he saw the altar that was in Damascus, King Ahaz sent a model of the altar complete with plans for its construction to the priest Uriah. Uriah built the altar according to the instructions King Ahaz has sent from Damascus. Therefore, by the time King Ahaz came back from Damascus, the priest Uriah had completed it. So he's, he's completely altering what God had prescribed. All right, dating back to Solomon, who for all of his faults was true to the Lord's instructions in building the temple. And now you've got this alteration of the temple. The, the altar of the Lord is being moved. There's this, there's this canopy over this Sabbath portion that's, that's being moved. Uh, it's not totally clear what that signifies, but there's only one thing that Ahaz actually tries to maintain. Uh, and that's in verse 15. Then King Ahaz commanded the priest Uriah, offer on the great altar of the morning burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt offering, and his grain offering. Also burn, uh, also offer the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering, their drink offerings. Splatter on the altar the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood sacrifice. The bronze altar will be for me to seek guidance. The priest Uriah did everything King Ahaz commanded. So he's trying to integrate the worship of the Lord into detestable pagan practices. He's trying to pay homage to God by sort of obeying him in this one regard while flagrantly disobeying him in the most unspeakable ways imaginable. This is a man who has had his child burned alive.
He has murdered his kid. He has murdered his son, imitating the very practices of the Canaanite nations whom the Lord drove out before the Israelites in the first place. It's likely the worship of Chemosh and Molech. That's a Moabite practice. A massive, a massive uh, metallic statue that, had, uh, that would look like a fat figure with arms stretched out and a hole in its belly. A fire would be built inside it. The child would be placed in the arms and the child would die. And this was to bring prosperity. Ahaz did this. And now he's also trying to set up this one sequence of offerings to atone for the sins of the people in the temple alongside the other pagan offerings. This is so, this is so striking, right? It's so obvious, like you're, you're trying to repent from sin in the same building in which you've invited sin, right? In this part of the room, I'm righteous, but the rest of the building, we're outright flagrantly just disobeying God. Does that describe your heart? When the Philistines, who are actually uh, being addressed in today's main text in Isaiah, when they tried to incorporate the Ark of the Covenant in their temple with Dagon, it didn't work out well for Dagon, right? Now, when someone who is supposed to be the king of Judah, he is heir to David's throne, right? Solomon's throne by extension, really as a king of Judah, not just all of the United Kingdom of Israel. He's inviting pagan things into God's temple. Does that describe your heart? Didn't work out well for Ahaz. Didn't work out well for Dagon and the Philistines when they tried to appropriate the power of God. And it didn't work out for Ahaz when he tried to incorporate Christianity, if you will, in the Old Testament sense, into his kingdom. Are you doing the same thing? All right, like I'll go to church on Sunday and I'll even make an offering from time to time. I will pray over my meals so that they're blessed and I wanna pray so that God will bless my business, but I'm hitting up the strip clubs on the weekends and I'm going and I, I'm, I'm blowing lots of money on unspeakable sins, all right? Or I'm even trying to incorporate other pagan practices. I'm trying to pay homage. I'm trying to be middle of the road. I don't want to offend anybody. All right, let's be, let's be tolerant. Let's be open-minded. Let's worship not just God, but all the other gods. And as a result, you find yourself doing precisely the, the will of Satan, but you're guised in a, in a thin veil of righteousness. There's like this tattered piece of cloth that you have on your garment that's supposed to represent your righteousness. And the whole of you is actually sinful. This is, this is the state of the Christian hypocrite. And it's a miserable place to be. You got to kick the pagan altars out of your heart. Repent from sin, not just partly, but completely. Clean house. Okay. Get rid of all of it, no matter how drastic it is, no matter how much it costs you, both in terms of the losses you take, but your loss of profit moving forward. Get rid of the practices in your life that drag you down. Okay, cut cable, eliminate internet, downgrade to a dumb phone, establish accountability software on your computer, share your email account with somebody who can see what you're doing. Like whatever you got to do to see to it that you are repentant from sin, please do it because partial repentance is completely sinful. Delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. Here is what happened after Ahaz died. He left his, people's, his people vulnerable, right? And uh, as this happens, right, right after, right after uh, Ahaz dies at the very end of 2 Kings chapter 16, Isaiah has something to say. 
So what uh, Ahaz would give, Ahaz's reign would give uh, give rise, I believe, to the reign of Hezekiah. So now we're moving our way through some of the kings of, of Judah. So in the year that Ahaz died, which was uh, right after the events that I just described, here's Isaiah chapter uh, 14, verse 28. In the year that King Ahaz died, this pronouncement came. Don't rejoice, all of you in Philistia, because of the rod of the one, uh, because the rod of the one you struck uh, who struck you is broken. Excuse me let, me, let me do that again. Don't rejoice, all of you in Philistia, because the rod of the one who struck you is broken. For a viper will come from the root of a snake, and from its egg comes a flying serpent. It's not entirely clear what this, uh, exactly what this means. Assyria, uh, 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 Assyria is, is not done, but uh, from its slumber, this flying serpent is prophesied against Philistia. All right, Philistia. Think Philistines. This is a, a part of a series of pronouncements against nations surrounding Israel. All right, Assyria will be destroyed. That's yesterday. Philistia is here. Moab is next. All right, these are all neighboring countries really in the proximity to Judah, and God's making pronouncements against each of them. And then the nature of this pronouncement against Philistia, the year that King Ahaz died, is described as a flying serpent. The closest thing that I can figure to this is the bronze serpent raised up by Moses, uh, to which Jesus referred in John 3, where we get the context for John 3.16. Then the firstborn of the poor will be fed, and the impoverished will lie down in safety. But I will kill your root with hunger, and your remnant will be slain. Wail, you gates! Cry out, city! Tremble with fear, all Philistia! For a cloud of dust is coming from the north. That is, I believe, the Assyrian, the Assyrian army. And there is no one missing from the invaders' ranks. What answer will be given to the messengers from that nation? The Lord has founded Zion, and his oppressed people find refuge in her. So God is, God is going to deal with Assyria. That's been said. They, they would actually uh, experience a recovery and they would, uh, they would attack Philistia. And so now God's dealing with Philistia, all right? He's dealing with the Philistines, an ancient historic enemy of the, the, the nation of Israel, okay? Like think about uh, Goliath from the story of David and Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine, also a descendant of Anak. It's partly why he's so massive, he's so huge, okay? Sorry, Malcolm Gladwell, you're incorrect about Goliath. Um, he didn't suffer from a mutation that caused him to never stop growing. He was a descendant of Anak, who was actually descended from the children of uh, the Nephilim. So Philistia has this pronouncement coming. Uh, this flying serpent is going to come and deal with them. Uh, the cloud of dust, I believe, that's where, uh, that comes up in the next verse is that Assyria is going to take them out. So God has already proclaimed what he's going to do to Assyria. But even meanwhile, uh, even post-recovery, perhaps, Assyria is going to attack Philistia. What answer will be given to the messengers from that nation? The Lord has founded Zion, and his oppressed people find refuge in her. The refuge that the people of God find is in Zion, on his mountain, among his people and his nation. This, uh, this, uh, the, the condition of the, the nation of Judah under Ahaz's reign was one of destitution, where the poor became poorer. But after this, the roles are going to, the economic roles are going to be reversed. Right, that the uh, the firstborn of the poor will be well fed. That's verse thirty. The impoverished will lie down in safety. So it's going to lead to a restoration for the people of of God. When the rulers forsake God, everybody suffers. Ahaz was unfaithful to God. He imitated pagan practices, sacrificing his own son in fire for crying aloud, trying to trying to give lip service to God, 
but the result was mass chaos. Can we be real for a moment? Are you like Ahaz? All right, are you trying to just incorporate God into your life, but it's still your life? I'll bet your life is in utter chaos right now. And I bet the irony is that when things go wrong, you blame God. God, why aren't you, why aren't you helping me? I brought my kids to church on Christmas Eve. All right, I came and paid homage to you. I even, I even dropped some money in the offering when it went by. I thought I paid you off, God. Why is my life in utter ruin? Well, maybe it's because you're running in flagrant disobedience against God. And that's why you're experiencing ruin. This is what happens. This is what happens, not only to you, but to your family, especially looking at you, dad, husband. If you're allowing sin to creep up in your life, or moreover, if that sin and its conquest of your heart has only relegated a small portion of your life and your heart to God, that is that you'll pretend to be a Christian when I see you, and that's about it, you and I both know that your family is suffering for it. Judah suffered under the, under the ruling of Ahaz. All right, the, the, the Philistines were able to encroach. Now, God was going to deal with the Philistines, but look at what happened to the people of God. God had to take Ahaz out to bring about this reversal of their economic, their, their, their economic misfortune. When the one in charge is running from God while paying lip service to God, his whole nation is going to suffer. Leadership dictates culture, and we can all suffer as collateral damage from the poor spiritual condition of our own leadership, both in the church and then on a societal scale, as was the case for Judah. But ultimately, God's going to intervene. Look at Ahaz, look at the pronouncement against Philistia, look at even the means of his disciplining of Philistia, that's Assyria, that was yesterday's devotion, they won't get away with, they won't get away with evil forever. And look at how God delivers, okay? May God not have to protect your children from you and your own stupid choices and your own sin that you l let run rampant. It's time to completely flip the script. If you're like Ahaz and there's just this portion of your life where God is allowed to live and you're trying to incorporate Christianity into your life, it's not going to work and you're going to find yourself suffering the very discipline or perhaps wrath of God if you're not really a Christian. Christianity is not something you incorporate into your life. God's not something that you add on to your life. He's not an ornament you hang on the tree. He's the tree. He's everything. You can't incorporate Christianity alongside other pagan practices. If you put Christianity on the plate alongside other faith systems, it kicks everything off and it becomes the plate. God does not play well with fake gods. He destroys them. And so if you try to make him roommates in your heart with multiple manifestations of the devil, it's going to tear you up inside. He's the one true God. Kick everything else out. Kick Memon, materialism, the worship of wealth, out. He's God. Kick idolatry, out. Kick worship of yourself, out. <laughs> Kick pagan practices, out. My Baha'i friends, God does not play well with others. Stop trying to correct God and tell him he's equal to the demons he destroys. Worship the one true God or find yourself suffering the wrath of God alongside the majority of your soul's company. Learn from Ahaz. Learn from God's discipline 
of the Philistines. Kick the pagan idols out completely. Let your heart be a pure temple, wherein now in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit resides.